Welcome to this Endo Life episode 95. I'm Jessica Duffin. I'm an endo warrior and endo health coach, and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. As always, this podcast is not intended to replace your current medical treatment and is here to educate and inform only. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to give a shout out to my lovely sponsors at BU. Um, and I wanted to tell you about their new bath bombs, which are naturally made um, and contain beautiful essential oils and their peppermint and eucalyptus essential oils um, bath bomb is doing so well right now with endometriosis community they're getting loads of feedback about it Um, and you know if you love the patches themselves you're going to love the bath bombs because essentially it's the patch in a bath bomb. Um, so, you know, if you're on your period or if you're in pain, you could have a bath with some of the bath bombs um, or one of them. I don't know, you could have multiple if you want. Um, and then, yeah, get out the bath, maybe rub in some CBD balm and put your patch on top, which is um, what a lot of people are feeding back that they're doing. So um, I would love to do that, but... Um, I don't have a bath, so I can't. But if you have a bath, um, then, you know, I think these new bath bombs could be a lovely way to help alleviate some of your pain. So if you'd like to check them out, you can go to BU, which is buonline.co.uk. And you can also order them from anywhere in the world on cultbeauty.co.uk and they deliver worldwide. Okay, so... I know last week I promised I was going to do the SIBO testing episode, but I'm really sorry. Um, I just haven't had the time. And it's now seven o'clock on Friday evening. I've just finished recording this incredible interview and I don't want to delay that coming out to you guys. And um, as you know, I've been struggling with a couple of health issues um, and I considered working through the night and spending a couple more hours um, writing up the episode and recording it. And I just thought, no, I need to, I need to practice what I preach and I'm not going to be any use to anyone if I work, you know, late into the night recording that. So I hope that you guys understand that there's just literally not been any any time to do it this week um it's been a really busy week and obviously I have I I hadn't done this interview that I could have recorded then but um this was a good time for us to do the interview so um this one is going out first and and honestly it's such a brilliant interview I really enjoyed doing it so um yeah so I hope you enjoy it as much as I did it's super informative And so 
This week's episode is all about interstitial cystitis with Elizabeth Yeratani. And Elizabeth is the founder of IC Wellness, which is a digital platform providing community resources, education and services to help uh, empower people and put their IC into remission. Um, so interstitial cystitis, if you don't know, um, Elizabeth is going to dive into that, but it's a condition that causes chronic bladder pain, um, frequency, urgency, and it's um, dubbed as the evil twin of endometriosis. And I think a study found that 80% of people with endo have IC. Um, so many of you listening probably have some problems with your bladder. So I think this episode could be really helpful for you. And Elizabeth actually went through chronic pelvic pain and then um, her IC developed and it worsened over a decade. And she underwent, you know, standard medical treatment for IC and it just continued to get worse. And then finally she stumbled across some alternative healing. And that's actually when her symptoms began to reduce for the first time in 10 years. And since then, she's dedicated her life to supporting others with IC and helping them to um, also experience relief. So in this episode, we discuss what interstitial cystitis is and the key symptoms, the root causes and associated conditions, the conventional approach to IC treatment and how that varies from the functional medicine approach, her ho- her. her- her own healing story, her version of the icy diet and why nutrition plays such a pivotal role, her key healing strategies that she recommends for putting IC into remission, and the best testing options for IC, which I've listed in the show notes for you. This episode was really, really fascinating. Um, I actually recommend just taking notes because you know, I, if it wasn't gonna make noise as I was like writing it down, I would have been doing so. Um, It's just a fascinating conversation and I think you're going to really um, get a lot out of this. And this is first of many. I'm going to have more of Elizabeth's team on the show talking about IC and recovery. So um, I hope that you find it helpful. Um, And there was something else I wanted to say to you guys. Oh, yes. So um, as you may know, I am currently um, taking applications for the third round of coaching Um, and I wanted to let you know that one of the reasons why I've been so busy this week is that I've actually had a lot of consultations this week and I have, um, more next week. And I think at this rate, the spaces might all be gone by the end of next week. So if you, if you were thinking about applying, then I would recommend doing so, um, this week, just because I I don't know if there's going to be any spaces come the end of the week I might be wrong but I just wanted to let you know if you were sort of on the fence some of you have been asking whether I can do um 24 weeks rather than 12 weeks but I don't know if I'm going to be doing a fourth round of coaching come the autumn so the next round will be July to September and I'm not sure if I'm going to pick back up with a winter round because um I want to focus on the membership and the course and I I just can't get through it whilst also doing the coaching. So I really need a couple of months where I can dedicate um, my work to the membership and the the course. And I want to sort of be able to focus on my SIBO treatment. Um, and I'm not sure that I can do that fully when I'm 
coaching. So um, I might I might change my mind. I might manage to get the membership done and the co- and the course done over the summer whilst I'm doing this uh, third round of coaching. But um, I can't guarantee it. So um, for anyone who's wondering whether I can do 24 weeks or 12 weeks at the moment, I'm saying no, just because I just don't know. I don't want to promise that I'm going to be extending into October to December. So um, yeah, at the moment, I'm just doing this three month July to September coaching program. Um, and if I don't do the winter, then I will be taking on new clients in January. But um, yeah, so I just want to let you guys know that. So um, yeah, if you want to apply, then I do recommend doing that this coming week, um, just in case the just in case the uh, spaces run out. Um, so yeah, I think that's it. Um, I hope you guys are all doing well. I'm ovulating today and I have a bit more energy. So that's amazing. I haven't had energy in my ovulation phase for a while now. So it's a nice sign to see that I've got a bit of energy. So yeah, I hope you guys are all good. You're staying safe and well. And um, oh, really exciting news. Dr. Alison Seebecker, my SIBO tutor and world leading SIBO specialist is coming on the show and literally it has made my year. I cannot wait to have her on. So um, for all of you who um, are waiting for more information about the SIBO, I am going to do that testing episode. Um, hoping that will be out next week. But um, Dr. Allison will be on soon and we'll be talking all about SIBO. So um, I'm really excited for this. I just can't wait. Um, yeah. So um Anyway, let's get to Elizabeth and um, I hope you guys are all having a lovely weekend. Let's start with like those, you know, for those who don't know what um, interstitial cystitis is, like an overview, because like I mentioned to you before we started recording, I haven't had a guest on talking about it for about a year and a half and you really are an expert. So I'd love to hear, yeah, your, and, and it's a, I feel like descriptions about IC on the web really vary. So I'd love to hear what your description is of it. Right. So yeah, I'm going to give you like the traditional, <laughs> we'll dive in, we'll dive into yeah. it. But um, so interstitial cystitis is a chronic bladder condition characterized by pelvic pain, pressure, frequency, urgency, or bladder spasms without the presence of an infection. Right. Okay. And am I what's like, what are the, so you, in terms of the symptoms, the, you know, the pressure and the bladder pain, I feel like sometimes people get confused with normal cystitis and interstitial cystitis. So like, how could you tell the difference there? Right. So it's going to be prolonged. Um, and then again, there's no, there's no infection, but I feel like we need to take that apart um, as we go through this because it's, it's a little more complex than that. Yeah. So yeah, it really is like this. I'm giving you the standard definition. Um, but with interstitial cystitis, I really believe that it's their systemic issues here because the body is internally integrated. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you understand the system and you stop focusing solely on just, you know, what's going on with the bladder, typically you're going to see, um, people who, who are experiencing fatigue, hormone imbalance, digestive issues, oh my God, yeah. fog, anxiety <sighs> or depression, 
Um, allergies, and that can include like seasonal allergies, urethral burning, candida overgrowth, lower back pain, um, autoimmunity, food and chemical intolerances, chronic UTIs, I'm trying to think of all of them, histamine intolerance, um, underactive thyroid, migraines, thinning hair, um, IBS, so irritable, irritable bowel syndrome, nutrient deficiencies, gut infections, and gut dysbiosis, and pelvic dysfunction. <laughs> so you can see like, I, you know, when people are like, well, what is I see? I'm like, okay, the technical definition yeah. is issues with your bladder. But um, I think that that that's not really an accurate picture of what's going on in the entire body and the dysfunction is widespread. Yeah. And so there's a ton of symptoms there. So with those kind of symptoms and and conditions that you've just um, listed, obviously like, you know, that one of the symptoms might be uh, IBS issues, but then a condition might be like the gut dysbiosis, which might be SIBO or the low fire, the hyperthyroidism. So are those causes of the IC or are those associated like conditions? Does, do you know what I mean? Do, do they lead to the right. IC? So, okay. So one of the ways that I started studying interstitial cystitis was I really got into um, Dr. Amy Meyer's work. And even before that, I had ordered a documentary. So my, so my journey really began with this documentary that I ordered called Betrayal, the Autoimmune Disease Solution. They are not telling you. And then from there, I got into uh, the Autoimmune Solution by Dr. Amy Myers. And I began to view IC as an autoimmune condition. It's a little different from a disease. But the approach that I decided to take um, was to address it as an autoimmune disease. And Dr. Amy Myers actually has this um, autoimmune spectrum. And so the way she explains it is she says like the more inflammation that you have in your body, the more symptoms you have. Right. And that, you know, as you start to get to the high end of that spectrum, you get a full-blown autoimmune disease. So I almost think for many people, um, I don't even know that it necessarily starts with interstitial cystitis. I think that the dysfunction occurs, you know, typically in most people long before the IC shows up. I totally agree. Um, and yeah. I think, yeah, I think it can, it can start with like the gut dysbiosis infection, um, poor diet. So I think there's the, the foundation that's being laid and all the stuff that's going on it's been there before the IC shows up. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, it does. And I, I mean, when you list all of those symptoms that you mentioned and the conditions, the only thing that I, only things I don't have out of that list um, is um, candida, hyperthyroidism, although Although I am getting patches in my eyebrows and I have some signs and I've started to have like weight loss resistance as well. And my mom and my nan have hyperthyroidism and I'm quite sure I've got HPA axis dysfunction and I'm pretty sure my nan and mum's hyperthyroidism sort of kicked in because of HPA axis dysfunction because we're just these women who just chronically burn themselves out. And I'm not sure whether I've sort of pushed myself to that level. So 
so that's it. I mean, everything else you mentioned, I'm pretty sure everything else you've mentioned, I have. You know, I, yeah. And that doesn't surprise me at all. It's, it's actually what I'm sure even in your line of work, like you hear this all the time. All the time. It's like not just one thing. Right. No, it's not. And so, you know, when people go, I have IC, I'm like, okay, we're not just, you can't just focus on the bladder. Mm. That's a mistake. And that's the conventional approach that is failing us. Uh, so really like seeing what is the body doing? Where is the dysfunction occurring? What's going on? And for me, you know, initially I'm like, well, if I can keep my symptoms kind of quiet, then I can, can kind of go on my way and, and continue on. But when I began to understand that chronic inflammation was the root cause of all this, you know, dysfunction and that I could, if I didn't address it, I was going to continue to get worse and could inevitably end up with a full-blown autoimmune disease that scared me. Yeah. Like, it really scared me. And I'm like, oh no, I can't, I can't just coast here. Mm -hmm. I really need to figure out what is going on. Why do we even have chronic inflammation? Yeah. What, what's going on? And once I got that and I understood that, that was the approach that I took and began to address the chronic inflammation, made the necessary diet and lifestyle changes and was able to reverse my symptoms. So just for anyone who's like not familiar with some of the terms we're using, I just want to unpack it a little bit with the, um, your, you know, the, you said that it was an autoimmune condition, like what, or, or that's kind of where you're leaning to, what would make it autoimmune and what does that mean for people who aren't sure what that, you know, means we hear autoimmune being thrown around a lot. Um, so yeah, could we unpack that a little bit? And also why would an, inf why would chronic inflammation lead to autoimmunity? Like if you're, you know, I don't know if that's something you could explain, but if you can, like, that would be amazing. I'm going to say that, that, okay. So I see is, uh, interstitial cystitis is listed as an autoimmune condition. Mm -hmm. Now, that being said, you're going to see some research that supports that and research that doesn't support that. So can I absolutely say 100% it's an autoimmune condition? I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it is because of the chronic inflammation and because the immune system is on high alert. Um, so that's kind of where I lined up. Can I, can I say 100% for sure? It is. No, of course I can't. Like there's, we don't have the research at this time to back that. Um, so with the chronic inflammation, with the immune system remaining on high alert, um, after a while, that immune system gets taxed. It can't stay up. It's, it's only meant to come up, like it shoots up to do its job, to address, you know, an invader. Um, it's our security system. It's supposed to keep us protected and safe. So it does its job and then it's supposed to die back down. And if we have chronic inflammation, if we are consistently consuming foods that our body does not recognize, if leaky gut is in play, if there's an infection that's, you know, been there and isn't getting addressed, um, that inflammation becomes chronic and that immune, immune system stays up on high alert. And over time it becomes exhausted. And so it can no longer accurately fire. Um, it can confuse uh, things like gluten or the gliding that's in gluten, um, the proteins with our own tissues. And eventually it can begin attacking itself. And so that's where I thought like, okay, I'm not going to let it go that yeah. far. Like it's, you know, I've taxed it long enough because really before I 
uh, understood all of this, I had I'd had IC for 10 years. Jeez. And I thought I was exhausted. Yeah. I mean, and I did I wasn't getting any better. I was getting worse. <laughs> and I was getting my symptoms were increasing. So I knew my immune system was weak. I knew I was struggling. I knew I had adrenal fatigue, um, hormone imbalance. There was all this stuff going on. And I thought, because I'm asking my immune system to stay on high alert day after day after day, and it's tired yeah, and it's worn out and it can't do its job effectively anymore. And so really focusing in on like immune support and gut health, um, I think is key. Yeah. That's so interesting. And for you, like, can you tell us more about your, cause you know, you said you went through this for 10 years and, um, that really, you know, the, the getting worse really resonates with me because I, I had bladder frequency. It's really difficult to know when it started because I had like a really severe car accident when I was like 17 and then I had a catheter in for like a couple of weeks, if not a month or two. And I don't know when, you, you, I don't know when symptoms started, you know, like it's difficult to know like right. what was the accident and like my bones recovering versus like what was actually I see. But I know for like the past five years, it morphed from like a lot of frequency and urgency to then this feeling of like, when I went for a wee, I could almost feel like, um, what I say is like an echo of like, have it like I, if I had held my you know, urine because I just couldn't get to the toilet or something. Afterwards, it would feel like my bladder had still been expanded. I could feel it. There was like an imprint. I could still feel this feeling, this pressure, I guess. And then it morphed into pain over time and to the point that, you know, now it's excruciating. And it definitely, and that was confusing for me because I'd got my endo under control. I'd reduced my inflammation to a point where I don't have period pain unless I decide to like, you know, do something like eat some sugar or drink too much caffeine. But I've, if I am in control of it, the period pain, the endo pain isn't there. So I was just like, why the hell am I still getting bladder pain? So I'd be really interested to hear like your story and kind of what, what you did to get you to a point where you are now and not experiencing symptoms anymore. Yeah, I would love to share my story, but I, I do want to come back to what you're saying because, um, you know, after I share, because, you know, damage to the bladder is a little bit like physical damage to the bladder is going to be a little bit different than, you know, it's, it's almost its own little like section of interstitial cystitis. Not that it can't be, not that there's not work to do, not that there's not help there, but, um, you know, if you're saying you're in a car accident and, you know, you kind of went through all this kind of invasive, aggressive approach to, to you know, fixing all that, that, that can um, cause a little damage, but we'll, we'll, we'll come back okay, to that. Okay. <laughs> um, so <laughs> so uh, I want to say my story starts in 2006, but as we were chit-chatting before we started recording, um, I actually began experiencing pelvic pain, uh, probably five, six years before I had got interstitial cystitis. And, and I had a couple episodes where the pelvic pain was so bad. I ended up in the emergency room. Um, I didn't know what was wrong. I just knew I was in excruciating pain and, you know, both times they checked me, they ran a bunch of tests. They're like, there's nothing here. So, um, 
it wasn't until like the last few months that I'm working with this doctor that was kind of like, you know, I think you it's endo. Uh, so we're kind of, you know, venturing down that, that path right now. But, uh, so in 2006, the beginning of 2006, I got a urinary tract infection. I think it was like my second one for my entire lifetime. Like this wasn't something that was chronic. And I know a lot of people with IC have chronic UTIs. That's not my story. Um, and so I got a UTI, they gave me some antibiotics I took them. And then about two weeks later, I thought I was getting another UTI, which I thought was really weird. I mean, it was like tear, you know, you go, <laughs> you go to the restroom. It's like tears coming down my eyes. Oh stings. gosh. Like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. I've got a client like that um, at the moment. She's in and out of hospital oh, with like worst. blood in her urine and yeah, it's yeah. awful. Yeah. It was, it was rough. And so of course, you know, I'm like, okay, another UTI. We were going, um, snowboarding. So I'm like, well, I'll deal with this. I'll get some cranberry juice and I'll deal with this when I come back. And uh, so I'm like down in cranberry juice. And of course, like by the nighttime, I'm like screaming. Like it was horrible. I'm like, okay, something's wrong. So we had to cut our trip short and I, we went back home and I went to see the doctor and, you know, they do the, the culture and then they called me, I think two or three days later and said, Hey, it's negative. You got to go see the urologist. So the urologist that I saw just happened to be on a, you know, previously had, had been on a research team, an, an IC research team. So he knew um, pretty much immediately what it was versus like, I think it takes eight years for most people <gasps> to get a diagnosis. Oh, so yeah. So Endo is seven it, years in the UK and 10 in the oh US. So. I can't even imagine like going from doctor to doctor and just being told we don't know what it is. Like, I can't even get like, that is horrible yeah. to me. Yeah. So in that regard, I was really fortunate. Um, and he did the cytoscopy with hydrodistension and I got my diagnosis and he put me at moderate to severe. So he basically said, you know, here are your options. You can do, um, bladder insulations <laughs> or, you know, some pain meds. And, I really felt like if I, if I started the bladder insulations, like I was almost like signing the dotted line. That's the injections, so I, right? Like into the, yeah, you know, and into the bladder. Mm. Yeah. And I didn't even know anything about them. I just was like, no, I'm going to figure this out. Like there was something inside of me and um, that really was like, this is not going to be my story. Like I, I am not like getting a life sentence to this. Just like, this is horrible. And, and, you know, really at that point, I didn't even know what IC was. So I began doing lots of research. I did take uh, the Vicodin and the Pridium, um, kind of ventured down this road of like trying all these different things and just couldn't, just couldn't get it under control. And uh, that I ended up eventually doing bladder installations. I did DMSO treatments for, I think, two or three years. Um, it was brutal. Like, I really? felt like everything was just harsh, um, very invasive. And I worried constantly. Like, in the back of my head, I just kept thinking, what is this doing? Like, if I'm using a catheter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because, like, like, I just... Go ahead. Because <laughs> catheters increase the risk of like an infection. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's where all of my trouble started, like having an, a catheter in for that long. So then you're having yeah. like 
you know, you're having a catheter put in for your treatment, for your IC, but the catheter is just yeah. like making it worse. It's just like, <laughs> it's the worst. Yeah. It's the worst. And I think, you know, 10 years of that nonsense. And what I learned was it was just symptom management. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a band-aid. It's a band-aid. And the truth is that I grew worse over the 10 years. You know, that list of symptoms that we just, you know, we went through, you know, I grew, I didn't, I didn't have digestive issues, but I got digestive issues. You know, I, the, I started experiencing anxiety, um, got candida overgrowth. There was the lower back pain was insane. There were days like I would end up on the floor because I was in so much pain. Um, all kinds of stuff just started happening. I just, I wasn't getting better. I was like, you know, kind of, sort of, kind of minimizing some symptoms over here while also creating (laughs) a ton of other symptoms on the other side. So, um, I, I, for, I don't know what happened. All I remember is somehow I came across uh, betrayal, the autoimmune disease solution and documentary. I need to watch this for it. Oh my gosh. It's incredible. Okay, I um, and yeah, it's so good. And they, they brought in like the best functional medical doctors from all over the world and just began to talk about autoimmune disease. And so even though at that point, you know, I knew I see wasn't classified as an autoimmune disease. I, I went through the autoimmune list and a uh, condition list and saw it on the list. And I thought, well, no one has ever told me that it is actually listed as an autoimmune condition. Mm. So um, that I ended up getting Dr. Amy Meyer's book. And I began like, even with the, with the documentary, I had a notepad. And I mean, if you saw my notepads, I think there's like three or four notepads, just taking notes, writing everything down. And I began to learn, to open up and ended up finding a doctor that, that took a little bit more of a, I guess, integrative approach would be, would be the right word. But, um, kind of, you know, I, you know, it's kind of neat if you have a doctor that's kind of open, like I didn't, I wasn't fortunate enough to have a doctor that understood interstitial cystitis. So I want to say that I think people, you know, they read my book and they think, well, she's lucky to have a doctor. I did not have a doctor that understood what IC was or how to address it. Right. But what I did have was a doctor was, you know, a few doctors that if I read something or I did some research and I brought it to them and I said, Hey, look, this is what's going on. And I would like to try this, that they were super supportive. Yeah. That's amazing. And like, yeah, of course. Like, yeah, let's try this, you know, natural approach. And so that I had, and I'm, you know, so grateful for, uh, so really like I came to understand that leaky gut is almost always in play. Um, that our diet is the foundation for our health and it plays an enormous role. I really believe that plays an enormous role in how we got sick in the first place. Um, because it's not like I was eating clean or eating, you know, healthy. Like I was, you know, drinking soda and eating pizza and going to McDonald's and, Mm. you know, just like all this stuff. That's not that really, when you begin to understand what food is, the food that I was consuming was really, was processed. And it wasn't really, I'm using air quotes here, food. Yeah. You know, it's not, it wasn't congruent with my body. So, you know, when leaky gut comes into play and, and that, that food is making its way into the bloodstream, yeah. 
our immune system is going crazy. What the heck is that? Yeah. Like, what is that? That's like a foreign stuff that has no business in here. Like, and it, and it, you know, fires up. Uh, something really interesting that I learned the other day, and I'm surprised I haven't heard of it before is so with SIBO, um, SIBO gives off a, um, toxin, um, lipopolysaccharide or, um, endotoxin. And it's, it's basically the cell walls from the, from the SIBO and, um, it can make us really sick. Like it actually causes chemical changes in the brain and it causes, um, anxiety. So a lot of SIBO patients have severe anxiety, but because SIBO causes leaky gut, um, it obviously kind of goes through the gut wall and enters the um, the rest of the body. And they've actually found in um, patients with endo that the endotoxin or lipopolysaccharide is also in the pelvic cavity. So it makes me think like how, I mean, how do they, does that toxin affect the bladder as well? Like if it's getting through the gut wall and it's in the pelvic cavity, like what is that doing? Um, so yeah, I just, I mean, it's just so interesting. This is all so connected, but yeah, sorry, carry on. So yeah, obviously it causes this immune reaction. Yeah. And, and SIBO is actually, you know, one of the, when you're talking about gut infections, that's one of the main gut infections that we're seeing right Mm. now. And it is going to cause issues for the entire system. So I love that you pointed that out because there, there is a lot we don't understand. There's a lot we don't understand right now, but what you're even mentioning and bringing up, I just, I want to see like all this research, you know, begin to really kind of take this apart because we can't just ignore it. We can't just leave it. We need to address root causes. And I believe SIBO is one of them. Yeah. Well, they Um, found that when they treat the SIBO, a lot of the time the IC pain goes away. Mm-hmm. So it's just yeah, fascinating. And it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a there's a connection between the gut and the bladder, and and each has its own microbiome, um, and I believe one influences the other. Yeah. And so that I looked at that, and I was like, okay, if that's true, um, you know, because I was reading that that the microbiome of the mouth can influence the microbiome of the lungs, and so yeah, yeah, it's like okay, well you know, what, what's going on with the microbiome? What's going on with the microbiome of our gut? What's going on with the microbiome of our bladder? If there's any type of, you know, imbalance here, if there's a disruption, we're going to have illness. And so I began to, my, my thought process as I was going through all this research was like, if I work to restore my guts microbiome to bring diversity, to balance it back out, to, you know, heal my gut, address infections, all that stuff. Then my thought process was I can simultaneously begin to restore the balance, the microbiome balance of my bladder. And that was the approach that I took. I just, I, you know, I I would love to be like, and then I did, but it was really like, that was the approach right there that I, I worked on my gut health, believing that I would it would, it would affect the microbiome of my bladder. Yeah. That makes so much sense because like, like I said to you, I did a really brutal, um, not even, it wasn't an IC diet. It was, I mean, it was IC diet combined with low oxalate and low, low histamine in, um, January. And I mean, 
it was like I could eat like 10 things uh, because the IC diet, the straightforward IC diet wasn't enough. It wasn't working. So then we did this low, low oxalate, low histamine. Um, and that my pain just increased. My pain literally increased, but a lot of other things went down, um, like heart palpitations and stuff. So that was obviously histamine related. Um, but, um, then during that time I got a, I had a GI map done. I'd already suspected SIBO, but I was sort of saving up the money to get the tests. And I saw all of these patterns in my microbiome. Um, and that, was suggestive that SIBO was there. And I was like, this is SIBO. Like this is the IC is because of the SIBO. It's, it's not, you know, I need to go start with my gut rather than trying to like, oh, is it hit? Cause of course, like histamine is going to be having an effect. Like if, absolutely, if, you know, your gut health is so compromised, you're not going to be able to be breaking down the histamines anyway. So I was, it, we were sort of taking the, a, you know, a backwards approach to it. We really needed to go to the gut first. Um, and then obviously I've got the SIBO diagnosis and it makes, makes so much more sense now. It, it does. And, and you've nailed it. Uh, but I, I mean, I also don't want to like leave, leave people going, okay, that's all I have to do. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Of okay. So one of the things, you know, that, like I said, we were talking about before was like, I see as complex, but it's also not so complex. Um, and I think that, you know, the conventional approach to it is, is, doing a huge disservice to people with IC because they're making it sound as if it's so complex, it's almost impossible to address. And I don't believe that. I believe that you, it's not quite as complex. If you're looking at it through the lens of autoimmunity, you're going to be addressing leaky gut diet. So you've got to remove inflammatory causing foods. So processed foods, uh, gluten, conventional dairy, um, soy, corn, there's a whole list of them that you want to pull those things out because we, it's, we don't want anything coming into the body that's going to elicit an immune response. Um, toxins, need, need to deal with toxins. So I actually believe that people with IC, their liver is not, probably needs a little bit of support um, there to make sure it's clearing toxins. I think toxicity is an issue. Um, and then of course, infections and stress. And so with infections, like of course, SIBO is an infection, but um, we are beginning, you know, we, we understand and are learning that in many cases, interstitial cystitis starts as a, you know, infection that's basically a UTI that isn't getting. So, t- standard, the standard urine culturing that we're doing that testing. Um, fails to detect infections in like 20 to 30% of people. So that being said, like, I really believe that day when I went in, I said, I'm experiencing like so much, like it feels like a UTI, but it came back and they go, no, you don't have a UTI. Mm. I believe that test failed. Yeah. I believe I did in fact have a UTI, but that standard test that we're using didn't pick it up for whatever reason, whether, you know, it was being caused by bacteria that just, you know, the test wasn't you know, isn't designed to detect, um, if there were different levels, I don't know, but you leave that untreated and you're going to have a chronic infection and, and then chronic illness. So I do believe that this is a key component that we need to at least look at. Is it, is it everybody's story? No, but, um, I do think that it's worth 
exploring to see if that is going on. Yeah. And, and so when you're talking about this, this sort of like chronic underlying infection that they can't diagnose, are you sort of referencing to like biofilms in that sense? Um, I think it can, I think it can definitely become biofilm. Biofilms can be an issue, you know, as the infection stays Mm -hmm. and doesn't get addressed. Um, And then I know that like we have, you know, tests available now, uh, microgen, and there are some other ones, um, pathognostics that can, they detect like 99% of infections. Mm. And so I just think it's worth like exploring this. If you're like, Hey, I have run this thing. Like I, I have, I'm looking at everything. I am struggling. I am not getting better. I definitely think that it is worth your time and the investment to look and see whether or not this is going on. And, and there are some supplements you can take that um, are biofilm disruptors. And I'm taking NAC at the moment. What? You, oh, yeah. That's, for that's biofilm. Like, do you, have you used that or mm-hmm. yeah. do you think that's a good one? There's a few. Um, I can send you, I don't have the name of the one that I used. And, but I, I do want to say this can be, it, it can be, challenging to go down this road with the biofilm disruptors and the antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you want, if, if you're exhausted or you're, you know, you're just really curious, yes, like take a look at this. If, if you can kind of get there, maybe taking a more gentle approach, try that. Like it's, it's really up to the individual person and what they feel they are capable of or interested in you know, how exhausted they are, how long have they been sick? There's just so many, you know, factors there. Yeah. I think for, for me, like, sorry, I'm jumping in so much just because this is such an interesting area for me. Cause I've been struggling with it so acutely recently. But, um, I think for me, I got to this point where like, I haven't been sleeping properly in like two years because I can't, cause the pain has been so bad at night. And, um, like I said, in the past two weeks, it's just, it started to ease up, um, for the first time in like, two, two years. Um, I had, I had since like December until two weeks ago, I've been in bladder pain every single day, 24 hours a day. So I, when I started doing the SIBO, um, training because SIBO often comes with biofilms. And then I listened to your interview with Dr. Brenner. Is that the right Um, and she um, was talking about biofilms and Dr. Jessica Drummond suggested that she felt I had a biofilm issue Um, I yeah um, I learned about a couple of different biofilms and um, supplements including NAC and NAC is actually a really really good supplement for endometriosis management as well they've done a study three-month study where they found that NAC actually regressed the size of lesions and um, cysts in endometriosis and like the majority of the patients who took NAC um, actually ended up cancelling their laparoscopies because of cyst reduction and symptom resolution so I was like well it's not going to, you know, it's not going to harm me to try the NAC, you know, for the biofilm and the endo and um, hopefully reduce some of the die off before I start doing my SIBO treatment. Um, do you find there's die off with biofilm? I, so this is, I'm not going to lie. This is, this is relatively new to me. And part of that is just because it came through Dr. Berman and she was teaching me. Um, we were doing research and looking at everything. So you know, my approach, I did, 
I did antimicrobials. Okay. Um, and of course, like, yeah, there was some die off there. I rotated through and I did it for an extended period of time because I did this, you know, three years ago, at least now. And there wasn't the research on the biofilms and the infection, mm. at least at that point, you know, three years ago, I didn't know of it um, or know anyone that was talking about it. So that was how I got there. Now she is, she specializes in this. She understands this and they see great success. Um, yeah. So that, that might be something more to discuss with her. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's just so interesting. It's like, cause it's new to me. I've literally only learned about biofilms yeah. in the past like six months. So, um, and I just thought, well, you know, I'm, I, I know how to use this supplement. Um, and so I'm just giving it a go before I start this, this other protocol for the SIBO. Um, and I haven't yeah. had pain, so, you know, I've had a pain, Incredible. pain reduction. So it's interesting. Just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by BU. These natural patches last for 12 hours, so they bring you prolonged relief and can begin working on relaxing your muscles before the pain kicks in, so you're prepared even if your period comes during the middle of the day. Some people even find that wearing them a night before their period can really help soothe the inflammation in the area. To shop, just head to link in my show notes. This episode is also sponsored by my free guide, managing endometriosis naturally. If you don't know where to start with beginning to take a holistic approach to managing your endometriosis symptoms, then this might help you. Um, If you'd like to download it, just head to the show notes and follow the link and you can get your free copy. Okay, so sorry, I feel like I keep getting you off track. So um, obviously, (laughs) you know, there's this autoimmune (laughs) component um, and the inflammation and then also like chronic long-term infections. Do you feel there are any like other root causes? Oh, yeah. Um, So when looking at root causes, if I see... I believe there's multiple. I, I mean, unless it's like you fell off a horse or you fell off a bike or in like in your case where you were in a car accident, mm. um, which is a subsect of interstitial cystitis, um, there are going to be issues, like multiple issues. So I, you know, people like they want to hear one thing and it's like, okay, it's, it's probably not one thing. It's probably a combination of a lot of things. So um trauma to the bladder. That's the first thing that I'm like, okay, that's, that's one. Um, mastocytosis, pelvic floor dysfunction, neurological damage, neurogenic inflammation, toxicity, uh, upregulation of the nervous system, histamine intolerance, liver dysfunction, leaky gut infection, bladder dysbiosis. Um, so I think those are like I said, a combination of a few of those, you know, are root causes yeah, of interstitial it's a perfect storm. The, it's the perfect storm. And so the focus should be on identifying those root causes. Where did the dysfunction occur? And then addressing that. And if you address the root causes instead of managing the symptoms, which is a conventional approach, um, you can absolutely reverse icy symptoms and restore balance to the body. And restoring balance to the body should be the goal because, because I see an autoimmunity and all this other stuff is coming about because of an imbalance in the body. Yeah. And no, it's so interesting. And I, and you know, I think that 
I don't see any clients who don't have multiple layers of issues. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the more that, and you know, this is a, there's just so many associated diseases that you just know it's not just one root cause because all of these other organs are being affected. Um, and so, yeah, that makes total sense. So for what do you kind of, obviously at IC Wellness, you guys support people with IC. What are some of your kind of key management and healing strategies that you find are the most successful? So we, we really uh, encourage um, detoxification, diet change, really focused on diet change. But I do want to say that, that in that, um, and that's where our, our nutritionist, Brand Thornton, um, that's her specialty, that's her role, that's what she t- handles. But I think, um, so a couple things. I'm like, where do I want to go with this? Uh, one, the, the standard IC diet that we all kind of are familiar with and get handed when we get, when we get our diagnosis, um, we do not uh, believe that that is accurate. Okay. Can you, can you give a quick like, overview of that, what that is for people who haven't like seen it? Right. So if you look at this diet, it's, it's a list of foods that are supposedly bladder friendly foods. And then they'll kind of say, well, this is bladder friendly. This is worth trying. Um, and this is stuff you should avoid. And Brianna and I sat down and we went through this list and, and we studied the icy diet for a year before we even wrote our cookbook, which is the complete, um, icy diet cookbook. We really went through this and looked and examined it. And it was like, Brianne, like, what, <laughs> what are your thoughts on this? Like, this is, I knew what, how I was feeling, what I was thinking, but I wanted her expertise. And she was like, there are inflammatory causing foods on this list. Yeah. Yeah. This list that gets handed to everybody who gets IC. Um, so leaving on things like the gluten, there's some processed foods on there refined sugars, um, conventional dairy, you know, all this yeah, stuff. I swear this things like ice cream. And stuff like- oh my gosh. Okay. So I tell this story, but <laughs> literally one of the things I was told when I had interstitial cystitis and, and I was taking that conventional approach was like, if you have a flare up, drink a vanilla milkshake. What? And yeah, to soothe, to soothe the flare. And I kid you not for years, if I was having a really bad flare up, I would either go get a vanilla milkshake from, you know, Chick-fil-A or whatever it was, or I, I would, my kids would go for me and be like, here, mom, we brought you one. I'm like, thanks Aww, guys so much. Mom, so, so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> feel better, handing it to me, feel better, mom. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Here's your medicine. Um, yeah, here's your medicine. Exactly. 50 grams and, of sugar. And yeah, 50, like sugar and you've got hormones and chemicals and artificial, you know, all this junk and that is really inflammatory causing. And I thought, you know, when I began to understand the acid diet, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, you've got to be kidding me that that was the advice that I got. And I think maybe, you know, because it's cold, it might initially feel kind of good on the bladder, but, um, you know, in a response, like an intolerance to that food can take two to three days to show up. Yeah. 
Yeah. So like, why am I in another flare? Like, I don't don't understand, you know? And so it it really did feel like for me that I spent 10 years in a flare. I never got a break. It never quieted down. It was just um, varying, like the symptoms varied, but it was always there consistently in pain. And so when we began to look at the diet and looking at everything that I was consuming, I'm like, holy crap. Like I'm literally consuming foods and products like my, you know, shampoos and body yeah. wash and stuff. It's all junk. It was just chemicals. And my body was screaming at me, screaming at me. And, and I spent 10 years not even realizing that that's what it was doing, that it was saying to me, stop. Like, we don't want this. This is not helping. Stop it. But I kind of just interpreted it as like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I thought. I just was like, well, I'm sick. And it's, and this is a result of being sick, but it was really my body trying to talk to me and I wasn't in tune and I wasn't listening. So when we looked at the icy diet, um, I began to remove all the pro-inflammatory foods and saw almost within, I mean, almost instantly, um, a decrease in my symptoms, specifically with like the gluten. Gluten was a huge, uh, huge trigger. Uh, but again, there's going to be a little, it's a little bit complex because I'll, I'll, I've seen people who've been like, well, I just started eating raw and my IC went away, you know, after eating raw for like a week. And so I tried that at some point in my journey and it made, it made it worse. Like my symptoms got worse. Part of that, I think, is because um, when we have leaky gut, when um, there are some gut infections in place, when we don't have the digestive enzymes that we need to break down the food, um, you know, there's this, it's just, you know, and then on top of that, really, truly, I think that diet stressed me out. Like I got stressed out (laughs) to be like, all I'm eating are vegetables every day. I was like, this is not, it was just kind of not working for me. And so instead I just started eating clean. After I went through and I looked at everything, I focused on eating clean. So still getting to enjoy foods that I liked, but, you know, instead of having, you know, farm raised fish, I had, you know, fresh, you know, wild caught. Um, I switched out my vegetables. I, you know, instead of doing rice, I did quinoa. So really just making some, some changes for foods that were going to nourish my body. And then of course, like working on my gut and taking digestive enzymes and working on stress management and and how I coped with stress. Mm -hmm. That was huge. Yeah. Because I think one of the things that happens, um, that we really need to be paying attention to with interstitial cystitis is that um, the connection between the brain and the nervous system. And I think when we begin to experience a flare, we can become anxious or afraid. I think when we focus on our diet and it being super restrictive, or I I can't have this, I can't have that, we become stressed out. Um, We can become afraid of like, well, if I consume that food, I'm going to have a flare. So that part of IC really needs some attention uh, because that fear can, that fear of the stress is going to increase IC symptoms. And so 
I recently got the Curable app. I don't know if you've heard about that. One of my clients uses it actually. I haven't checked it out, but yeah, she really rates it. Yeah, it's it's really big. Like it's amazing. So um, their belief is that pain is multidimensional and is processed in the brain and the nervous system and not, so for people with IC, not necessarily in the bladder and that the brain and the nervous system can be reprogrammed so that the nervous system is no longer hypersensitive um, and you can calm down the brain's fear response during like flare up or meals. And so working on that, that component, so mindfulness, um, prayer, meditation, breathing, yes, really yeah. learning coping mechanisms for stress, I feel like is, is at this point in everything that I'm doing with IC, the most overlooked. Mm-hmm. Because we do kind of focus in on like, okay, get on the right diet, take the right supplements. You know, maybe if there's an infection, address that, heal your gut. You know, that we kind of are focusing there, but I'm like, okay, how much attention are we giving to the connection between the brain and the nervous system and maybe spending time there? Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. And like for anyone who wants to um, dive deeper into this, quite a couple of episodes ago now there is um an episode on this like pain signals and what we call in like at the integrated women's health institute dims and sims so like danger in my body signals and safety in my body signals and basically it's about like are we up regulating the nervous system or down regulating it um i'm trying to remember the name of the the episode i can't remember the name of the episode i will put the link in the show notes so if anyone wants to learn more about that they can but I totally agree with you because, you know, I've been on an anti-inflammatory diet for years now for my endo and it works for that, but hasn't worked for the IC and um, I'm highly stressed. I I, I get stressed quite easily. And when Mm -hmm. I did that tough, tough elimination diet, my stress went through the roof and my pain just got worse and worse and worse. And then the day that I could come off it, and eat some foods I enjoy that was still anti-inflammatory. It's just like this, this other elimination diet was just so restrictive. Like I could eat like mm-hmm. 10 vegetables and like you oh, know, two rough. fruits. Um, that, that literally that day that I could eat normally again, my pain went down. Incredible. And I knew this is the pain signals. This is literally my brain was just on mm-hmm. because I had no joy that you know like I'd already gone you know I was already on anti-inflammatory diet and had been for years and so I'm happy with it and I I can make wonderful um foods and make really healthy ice cream and really beautiful Mm -hmm. cakes that are sugar-free you know I can do all of that I, I enjoy it but I was like this is going so far like this is like I'm taking away all of those you know I can't even eat nuts and right so right and that caused you stress. Absolutely. I was miserable. Yeah. Yeah. And that stress is going to elicit a response. Mm-hmm. So I really think like this is such a huge component. And, and, you know, we created the cookbook because we want people to enjoy their meals. It's meant to be enjoyed. It doesn't have to be this bland diet where you're like, I can't eat anything. Um, my food has to taste like nothing. I hate my meals. I'm too stressed out to go try this you know, I mean, I'm making this up because I don't remember, but like there was ridiculous stuff yeah. on the icy list, like, you know, plums, <laughs> like, no, you can go eat your plum. <laughs> You're fine. Um, it, you know, just focusing on clean eating, whole nutritious foods, foods we were designed to consume and enjoy. And 
really wanting to bring life back to that because I, I really feel like that stress over the diet does not serve us well. It, it really makes things worse. And so, you know, helping people understand you can eat your foods, feel better. And then I think that with that mindset, they begin to open up and say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and eat those strawberries. Um, you know, nothing's happening. And, and, and I do want to say that when my body, so during the healing process, if, you know, you're, it almost becomes programmed. So like every night I would begin to experience like bladder pain, Mm. you know, because I had been sick for so long Yeah. because it's, it's almost like my brain was like trained. Yeah. You know, I would get stressed out, you know, for the first, you know, how many years I was sick, I would get stressed out over the thought of having to go to bed because I couldn't fall asleep because I was getting up consistently throughout the night to go to the bathroom because I, it was difficult to fall asleep during the pain. Um, and so nighttime, you know, bedtime became a stressor for me. That's going to increase my icy symptoms. And then my brain is getting programmed to be like, we're going to freak out at 11 o'clock every night. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're afraid of it. Okay. Well, we'll make sure we flag that and deliver exactly <laughs> yeah. what you're afraid of. Yeah. And, and it was like repetitive. And so I began to say to my body, you know, when those, when those every night, first of all, I began to begin putting practices in play that helped calm my system down. So whether that's like yoga for bedtime or breathing or prayer, Wonderful. Um, reading a book, you know, something that was like going to calm me down. And then uh, when my bladder would kind of send signals and I'd start to feel that same irritation, I would say, thank you so much for checking in. We're okay. We're safe. Everything is fine. Thank you for notifying me, but we're all good. Mm, I love that. And the pain would go away. That's so interesting. It, it, it was incredible. It, incredible because it was just my brain, even that brain and that connection to the nervous system. Um, causing some symptoms, but I'm not going to go as far as to say that's solely what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, of course. You know, yeah. Yeah. We want to look again, we want to look at everything. We want to make sure that, you know, we're detoxifying, that our diet's good, that our gut's healthy, that there are no infections, you know, being left untreated, mm-hmm. uh, but, and then we're managing our stress. So, um, you know, it's, it's a whole, a whole body approach. Is, is the best approach yeah absolutely so for for those of us who like you know if someone's listening and they have they've recognized some of these symptoms what would you suggest like they start with in terms of healing like the because we've, we've discussed quite a lot of things here you know there might be gut dysbiosis there might be a histamine issue there there might be biofilms it could just be you know there's pain signals there's inflammatory foods like where would you suggest they start in the beginning I want to say the first step is to find the right doctor but I know that that can be so challenging and and that being said you can do a lot of the work yourself um if you begin to do the research and you understand if you don't have a doctor that can kind of come alongside you and hold your hand you can begin to do some work that can have lasting effects. So, um, I'm going to say that finding a good nutritionist, if you're confused and you're going, because food is such a a problem and a stressor, um, we become afraid of everything. Like we have, we have so many people that are eating like the same seven foods every single day. Yeah. And we're going, you can't, you can't do that. They're so stressed out. So we do believe that your diet is 
key and it's the foundation for good health. So making sure that you're eating good, healthy foods is key. And if you need some assistance, work with a nutritionist that can customize meal plans and work with your specific food intolerances, get a good support system. Um, personally, I'm really big on like prayer and meditation. The curable app is super helpful. We mentioned that. Um, yeah, I need to download that. Yeah. Really good. Love it so much. Um, yeah. I mean, I think those are kind of, those are kind of just great places to start Yeah, without going, I like, I don't want to overwhelm anybody, but like get on the right diet and, you know, start dealing with your stress, calm your system down because I see causes so much stress and I'm like, everybody, it's okay. Like the biggest thing I think people want to hear is that there's hope mm. so because true. I think most of the people I talk to are like, am I going to have to live this way my whole life? What if I can't get any better? What if I'm sick forever? And so it's such a great opportunity to say, you can get better. You can absolutely reverse icy. You can heal your bladder. Um, there is hope. You can get your life back. I do want to mention, I did. I just realized right now, see a pelvic uh, uh, physical therapist. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. get evaluated. That's a really big one. Get evaluated. And if necessary, do some PT and stick with it um, because they're just, the work that they're doing is absolutely incredible. And, and you, you know, there's going to be pelvic floor dysfunction. There can be all kinds of stuff going on. So having someone that's, you know, looking at that and working with you. Great. Yeah. Perfect. I love my pelvic floor therapist. She's really helped with um, the bladder frequency and urgency the pain obviously that seems to be a separate issue but the the frequency and urgency it's been massive for that so I totally totally agree um and would you you mentioned two like really comprehensive tests that you were saying like can um diagnose like 90 percent of infections would you if someone could afford that would you do that as a sort of like first line investigation like alongside the nutrition part yeah I mean I yeah I feel like so yeah so there are some tests that you want to get that you obviously want to do but I do also want to just say if you were listening and you're like I don't have the money so I'm going to give a list of tests <laughs> but I don't because we because again we we hear from people they're like I'm on disability I my insurance is like I don't want to take hope away from people who don't necessarily have the means to walk down that road of investigation. That's so true. Yeah. So there are in, in all that, there are still things that you can do. You know, you can, um, you can begin your own research. You can begin to deal with stress. You can, you know, get a good, on a good diet, order some really good supplements. Um, there are things that you can do now. If you, if you're like, I am really struggling, I just want to encourage you, even if you're struggling and you're still on that budget of like, I can't afford it. If you can afford to do one test right now and in six months, do another one, do that. Because, because you don't always want to just be guessing. Like, you know, you're saying with the, you know, you, can, you have leaky gut and you have SIBO. Well, you don't want to just be like randomly guessing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like, and like, yeah, like, like that's not even, that's, that can be terrible. So um, if you can afford to do testing, um, again, the standard urine culture is failing to detect 20 to 30% of um, infections. So Microgen DX, Pathnostics, um, Paranomics, I think that's another one I'm trying to remember. 
they use DNA sequencing to detect microbes okay. in chronic infections and are like 99% accurate. Um, I also recommend like seeing the um, trained physical therapist, mm-hmm. uh, CBC, so blood count, a complete thyroid panel, because typically we see some issues with thyroid. Um, Dutch test. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar yeah, with that one. I'm, yeah, I'm, absolutely. Yeah, that's a really good one. The oat test, um, which is the organic acid test, a comprehensive, which is a comprehensive metabolic panel, a GI map. That one, that one, I almost say like if you're gonna if you're going to do any type of testing, um, the microgen and probably the GI map are the key key ones. Yeah. And then um, looking at like vitamin deficiencies, and then if you have exhausted all of that. I'm not going to go like take time to go deep into this, but there are some genetic testing available. Um, one of them is genetics made simple. So sometimes, um, you know, there's a genetic component and there's, you need to bring a little bit of support, um, to how your body is methylating and all that. So that's an option too, for people. Okay. Yeah, no, perfect. Yeah. I, I agree with the GI map. (laughs) My one of my clients literally just got her GI map um, back from uh, just before our call and it was like I was like wow no wonder yeah. you don't feel Ill, like you feel unwell like it's yeah. really I mean yeah it's a lot going on um, okay so just to like recap um, so that's the organic um, acids test the GI map um, the Dutch test a full thyroid panel um, and then so I can put those in the show notes. Could you send me over the ones that the infection ones, like the microgen, so I can put those yes. in the show notes. Just I don't want to like Google it and then get those wrong. But um, yeah, the others, no. like I use to, I I know which ones to put in. So that's absolutely fine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can send that over to you. And and really, what you're just trying to do is get a good picture of what's going on. What is your body doing? And then working with a doctor that can help you work on these issues and restore balance. Hormone imbalance is huge with people with IC, which is totally makes sense because, um, you know, if, if you're struggling with your gut, if you're struggling with liver detoxification, if you're stressed out, um, if you've got adrenal fatigue, all this stuff is going to begin to affect your hormones. So of course you're going to have hormone imbalance. So, um, yeah, making sure that your hormones are nice and balanced and, and where they're supposed to be and, and that's going to help, you know, decrease symptoms as well. So just really getting a good picture, look at nutrient deficiencies, because if you've got a magnesium deficiency, which most of us do because of our diet, um, that can increase IC symptoms. So yeah, you really just want like a full picture of what your body is doing. Do you know, it's really interesting. You mentioned that, and I'm going <laughs> to ask a question for myself, which selfish, but, um, I, so I've been taking magnesium supplements for years because um, I find it helps with my endo pain. Um, but then when I did my GI map and my organics acid test, um, it turns out that I'm not absorbing um, magnesium. I'm not absorbing like vitamins A, C, E, and D either. But um, it's now obviously it's because of the SIBO. And I actually stopped taking my magnesium tablet because I was taking it at night and I just had this hunch that it wasn't it it was triggering my IC and when I took it out I noticed a reduction in my pain um but I've noticed when I haven't been taking the magnesium tablet that my 
um, period pain is starting to slightly increase. So I want to bring it back in. And even if I'm not fully absorbing the magnesium, I don't know if I'm absorbing some of it. I've got a spray, which I'm using, but I'd like to have it like orally as well. Do you notice that? Cause I, I was like, mm, is magnesium citrate like triggering some of my pain? Like, is there a better, is there like a magnesium supplement that you find is easier on the bladder? Yes. So I actually recommend magnesium L-theanate. Um, it is the first to cross the blood brain barrier. Uh, so that is, it's, it's very gentle. If you get it in a powder form, I think, uh, Zymogen has it orthomolecular. I mean, there's a bunch, just Neuromag, there's like a bunch of them out there, but, uh, it's very gentle on the body. It's so gentle that like my grandkids can take it. Um, but it helps with sleep, mood, memory, cognitive function. Like it's absolutely incredible and really does help calm the body down. So that's my that's my pick. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to check that out. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. So lastly, where can, um, people find out about you and IC wellness and what kind of support do you have on your website that they can access? Yeah. So we are at uh, icwellness.org and, um, so IC wellness is an online community and resource center that provides information, support, help, and hope to those with IC chronic UTIs and autoimmunity. And our brand also includes the Icy Wellness Podcast. We have a YouTube channel that we just came out with. And then, of course, we're on Instagram and Facebook. And on Icy Wellness and then Amazon, I have both my books. So How I Got My Life Back, My Journey with Interstitial Cystitis. And then I co-wrote a book with uh, nutritionist Brianne Thornton. So that's the complete Icy Diet Cookbook on, available on our website and Amazon. And um, we have, if you go to our services page, you can work with uh, Brianne, who is our nutritionist. Um, we have Sula Wingerson, who's uh, a health psychologist. We have um, Julie Hager, who is functional medicine um, health coach. And, and then Tracy, who is a life coach. So there's some people there to help you. We are really working to find a doctor um, to bring on to icy wellness. That's our, our one, our other one area that we're, we're lacking right now, just, um, trying to find somebody that really understands it and can work well with the team. So, um, yeah, I think that's it. That's so exciting. Um, yeah, I mean, when I found you guys, I was like, wow, this is amazing. It's so comprehensive. So, um, yeah, there's so much support and I, yeah, I was going to download the cookbook, but I can't remember is it available on the Amazon UK? Because I feel like that's what I got. Yes. Okay, I'll have yes. to check. I'll, I'll, send okay, <laughs> I'll send you one. I'll send you one. Don't worry. <laughs> I got you. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, that's so exciting. I'm going to have a look at that. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on. And you've been so amazing and have had so much information to share with us. So I'm sure this is going to help loads of people. And I'm sorry for firing so many different questions at you, but um it's so exciting to have someone on to talk about IC and um, I mean, you know how it is when you're, when you're struggling with something, you just have a million questions. So it's been so nice to, to pick your brains and um, learn from your years and years of experience and knowledge. So thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. 
Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. And it's so funny because, um, you know, when you reached out, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, <laughs> I go to my phone and I'm like, oh, I already listened to this podcast. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then every time you come, I'm like, oh, I just love her accent and love, <laughs> love the work that you're doing and really wanting to learn more um, from you and from what you're doing. And so I appreciate all the work that you do as well. And, um, you know, I just, I think, you know, we, we share this heart and passion to help people yeah. to really want people to get their life back and to feel better and enjoy this life, this gift mm-hmm. that we were given. And so, um, thank you for having me and thank you for all the work that you're doing for this community. Thank you. You too. And, um, yeah, I feel like there's not many, I, I don't know anyone else who's doing what you're doing. I really don't know any other anything that um compares to icy wellness so yeah thank you so much and i'm sure this episode is going to be so helpful for everyone and yeah i'm gonna download thank a you. book and start cooking i'll let you know how i get on with it yeah please do i would love that so that's it thank you so much for listening if you want to find out more about what i do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it um you can head to my instagram page which is this underscore endo life um you can head to my website which is www.thisendolife.com and you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website um i've put the link in my show notes it's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that i um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis as always, if you like this show, please rate, review and or subscribe. It really, truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis. This episode was produced by The Pod Farm. Whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started, visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world. 